Thank you for joining us today at Miniature Wargaming Labs. My name is James, and today I'm joined by Jordan of Earthbound Games. How are you doing today, Jordan? I am doing very well, thank you. I know I pulled you away from a birthday party. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for making the time. It was winding up. A 12-year-old <laughs> can only go so long. <laughs> like, oh, I've got to go. Business. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very important. Uh, well, Jordan, I brought you uh, on the um, podcast today because um, I've actually using my Facebook feeds out there um, and also some comments from um, I believe it's tabletop minions has mentioned your game offhandedly and you've been showing up on the war games vault. And so you have put out a new game uh, County road Z. I got my copy uh, yesterday. And so I wanted to take this chance to talk to you about it because I haven't gone through the rule book yet, but I went ahead and bought it because one, it was 15 bucks for both the PDF and the softbound uh, rule book. And it's not just a couple pages. This is actually uh, almost what 151 pages here. So that's actually a good price for 15 bucks. And I already have collections of miniatures for project Z uh, drug war Z and um last days so i've already got the models so 15 bucks trip to starbucks and i've got a new game on the shelf so that's what pulled me in but i really like you to fill me in and the rest of our listeners on what's behind this game but i want to start off with how did you get into miniature war gaming what escalated you from like playing a game to writing your own set of rules well um Honestly, I think it comes a lot from my first role-playing game, which was uh, Middle-Earth role-playing. It's the old role master system from the 90s. And that thing was just chock full of charts and graphs. And I was 12 or 13. So I ended up making up most of the rules because it was too complex for anyone of that age to really <laughs> digest. So that was probably my first, uh, first attempt at homebrewing something that I could actually play. Um, but of course, that was some number of years ago. Uh, for real war gaming, uh, my first game was Heavy Gear, which is a game not a lot of people played. Um, An unusual it, choice. <laughs> it was it was big in Canada, and I'm from Minnesota originally, so maybe it bled down the border. But uh, they called it Tom Clancy's Mecca, and it was <laughs> little giant robots with science. It, it was... An excellent tactical game, very crunchy for a first timer. Still, I uh, I gobbled that up and bought two armies so I could make everybody play with me. So that was my my foot in the door of wargaming. And then, of course, I did my time in the 40K mines like everybody else <laughs> uh, after that when I realized that's what people were playing. So um, I'd say that's, that's the evolution. Now I play primarily Infinity when I'm playing. Uh, crunchy competitive war games at a table and and four um, or code one and four okay uh, i started playing infinity in second edition uh so i've been playing for some years and it hasn't made me any better at the game <laughs> as anyone i've played against will attest uh I, I don't win often but i always have a good time you know um and, i always uh, <laughs> i always say that the the talent is um being able to see the matrix and know how you're going to lose <laughs> that that's exactly right exactly right i was really lucky uh when i got started minneapolis st paul which is very near to where i live uh was one of the big infinity metas 
So if you were going to learn how to play infinity, you couldn't ask for a better group of guys uh, to teach you. Cause they were really active. Everybody was playing all the time. It was really an excellent experience. They, they've fallen apart a little bit. The, there's no Minneapolis based podcast anymore, but the guys are still going strong and I still hit every event I can. So infinity is like your mainline game, but you decided to, do your own game. What was what was the reasoning behind that? What made you decide I'm going to escalate my behavior because I'm not spending enough time doing this? You know, I actually probably wanted to write a game for 20 years. Uh, basically, since I started playing, it was always uh, in the back of my head, but I never had time or inclination or a good idea. Nothing ever quite lit that fire under me to actually start and build a game from scratch until I found myself with some free time uh, because of the pandemic. Like many others, uh, I had a little bit of elbow room in my schedule. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I toyed with several ideas and had nothing for a long while. Uh, and then one mechanic came to me and I was like, that's a good way to do AI for a solo game. And from there, it was maybe three months. I went from nothing to a playable prototype once I had that core mechanic uh, because it just got me excited about it and I just couldn't put it on the page fast enough. Of course, that 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 was a mess. You know, it was a lot of playtesting before that was actually a game, but uh, it was it was a it was a prototype and it was uh, it was very satisfying to have accomplished something that, while completely broken, was playable. All right. Can you explain the um, County Road Z? I keep on trying to say Country Road. Uh, A lot of people yeah. do. Uh, yeah. Uh, so County Road Z, what's the universe? What's the idea, like the narrative okay. behind there? Uh, first of all, I have to say aloud, County Road Z, here in Wisconsin, where I live now, we name our county roads with letters. So County Road Z is actually a sign I have driven past oh, literally hundreds of times. And every time I thought that would be a great name for zombie fiction. County Road Z, you know, <laughs> kind of a kind of a rural sort of roughneck down on the farm uh, zombie fiction of some kind. But, you know, I'm not a filmmaker. And uh, while I have written fiction, it's not good. Uh, so when I came up with the idea for this game, I was like, I got to use that name. So County Road Z is a place in Wisconsin, but it's also uh, a very generic zombie apocalypse. I kept as little world building in the main book as possible because everyone has their favorite zombie fiction. So, you know, you've got your, your Night of the Living Dead stalwarts, you've got your uh walking dead guys or even um like zombie land some of the lighter takes Shaun of the dead so everybody kind of approaches it from a different direction and so i didn't want to put too much storyline in it i didn't want people to uh uh to come into it with preconceptions i wanted them to be able to invest it with their own uh you know with their own flavor 
So you won't find a ton of world building. The only things that are in there really is that it's rural, the rural apocalypse, because honestly, if you're in a big city where everyone is living stacked on top of each other in tiny apartments, then it's hard to get away from that many zombies. Also, you don't want to paint that many zombies or try and use them on a tabletop. Like to make this population even a little bit realistic, the table would be covered and you'd be Anyway, so I thought, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, these small towns got a very reasonable, manageable number of zombies to paint. <laughs> uh, so that's County Road Z, uh, rural, rural zombie apocalypse. So that's the theme on the game. But I believe you take you mentioned the AI component. So with your theme, you actually take a different twist from most zombie games here. So you've taken more of the... Um, walking dead approach not not the one no you didn't take the walking dead approach of where like ash barker did the humans are the problem like they always say yeah. in the series you did more of the 1965 of like oh well okay so george romero 1965 i actually think captured the real reaction everyone get in a line grab your guns <laughs> and we'll just walk forward and shoot them all in the head okay great problem solved <laughs> yep no i always part of uh Honestly, Walking Dead was great, and I watched it a ton right up until Negan showed up, and he was just too big a jerk. Like, somebody shoot that guy and get on with your lives. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, when you're in the middle of the forest surrounded by guys with pointy sticks and you're armed with AK-47s, it's like, well, I didn't know how I'm settling this problem. Right? <laughs> like, I, the whole time I was thinking, you know, he probably would have killed me, but he wouldn't have lived through it. <laughs> you know, because I, man, that guy made me so mad. Great actor, did an amazing job, unwatchable. But the point, uh, point of the story is I always think what we really need to quit fighting each other is a, is a common enemy, you know, something we can all band together against. And zombies is as good as any uh, for that purpose, you know. So I always thought, you know, it should be, Zombie apocalypse should always be about people working together to f to rebuild and to survive. So that's the main theme that the take I, I brought to the game uh, was cooperative and solo. But the idea that uh, all the survivors have different skills and, and you'd need them all in order to make the game work. I noticed um, cooperative games have actually become a lot more popular since the pandemic, you know, when people get trapped or some some uh, groups of friends cannot play competitive games with each other or feelings get hurt. So I'm going <laughs> to guess that you've intended this, I always ask, beer, pretzel, or tournament game. So since you focused on co-op co and solo, I mean, the one-man tournament yeah. is always enjoyable. But Right. No, I definitely took it from a... a like, if you're going to play with a, a group, definitely... A, Everybody is working together to try and uh, to to win. Like I said before, I'm not good at Infinity, but it's my favorite competitive game. And so I, one of the basis is basis basis. One of the reasons I started with game co op and solo is I like to win, but I don't care if somebody else loses. So why don't I make a game where everybody can win, or everybody can lose? But uh, so that way I get to still win at games without being good at them. Um, I see you go to your infinity group. I'm going to go home, make my own game and I'll win there. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to take my dice, which roll badly, and then I'm going to make a game where they're fine. No, um, honestly, uh, I was lucky enough that Frostgrave came across my, came into my my notice, my periphery, just before the pandemic. And so I had the, the co-op expansion for that. And I played through it with some gaming buddies and then the pandemic hit and I thought, wow, I could really use another one of those, you know, a reason to paint minis and play games. And then Rangers of Shadow Deep was an absolute birthday present for me when I discovered that it's absolutely my favorite way to play fantasy skirmish. It's just it's light on its feet and it moves quick and Everybody feels like their ranger is a hero, but you still feel bad when you lose people like it's it. He definitely took a casual approach and it turned into one of my favorite things to do on the table. It's great. All right. So what are the mechanics of the game? Um, are we talking uh, since it's co-op AI, you got zombies. Is this table driven, card driven? What kind of dice am I using? So what's, what's the turn structure like? Uh, essentially, the way I built it was the zombies go into a to a static, uh, like a, a passive state when there hasn't been food around for a while. So as you enter the table, all the zombies are essentially asleep. And every action in the game has a noise range at which you wake up zombies. So if you move carefully and the distribution of random zombies is okay, you can, in theory, get most of the way into a game before any of the zombies are awake and looking for you. Uh, there are mechanics in the game to keep that from happening. So there's a there's a kind of a ramp up. Uh, essentially, it's it works on D10s. You roll a D10, you add a number, you look to see if you hit your target. The targets are four and six. I wanted the gameplay on the table to be as fast as possible. I think uh, I've forgotten which guy it was, but one of the guys uh, that contributes to Blaster magazine said it once that it shouldn't take longer to shoot a gun in a game than it takes to aim and shoot a gun in real life. And I thought that's fantastic. I shouldn't have to stop and do all the math. I just want it to be clean and quick and easy. So, um, so I started with that basis and it's actually really easy to kill a zombie in County Road Z, but every time you do something, all of the zombies get an action. So, so the core mechanic, the noise mechanic, uh, triggers the zombie AI. So they don't get a turn. There's no zombie turn. Uh, what happens is I move, and my movement has a such and such amount of noise. And then if I'm stealthy, I can roll to see if I don't make the noise or whatever. Uh, and so economy of actions comes not from you having more people on the table because that's never going to happen. It's zombies. But it comes from your actions being planned carefully so as not to give the zombies as many turns as you take. Does that make sense? Did that sentence come out okay. as English? Um... So imagine as I move my models across the table, the zombies are like little landmines. And I've got to either go very similar to that. It's actually or deactivate them. Um essentially 
the way it works is very similar to the way the reaction turn works in Infinity. Uh, essentially, um, you finish your action, and then at the end, so heroes oh, activate so it's a bunch of AROs. So it's just zombies with AROs. It's zombies, zombies AROing all over you, except for instead of line of sight triggering it, it's the noise value of your actions. So if you fire a rifle, that triggers every zombie in a 12 inch circle. Uh, well, 24 is within 12 inches of your gunshot. And so that's okay. the bulk of the table. Uh, so you want to use those sparingly. Otherwise, they'll come at you. And see, the way it works is when they're asleep, they get activated, they wake up. And so that's the first thing on the flow chart that is the zombie AI. And then the second thing is they look to see if they're in contact with the thing that woke, that activated them. So if they're aggressive already, so they've already waken up, if you're toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, they bite you whenever you take an action. So if you're going to hit them with your pipe wrench or whatever, it's not so much that that task is difficult. It's that the consequences for failure are that zombie gets to bite you. So every die roll, if you don't manage to kill a zombie, then they get to react. Uh, and so while it's easy to kill a zombie... It's when you don't, things escalate out of control in a hurry. Um, if that makes any sense. Uh, no, but you can also, I could see, foresee creating a situation of where moving multiple people across the table with overlapping circles, popping noise off and alternating to like kind of mess with the zombies, pulling them back and forth so you can actually divide and conquer. Absolutely. And there's um, as you progress in the game, there's items like fireworks where you set it uh, at the beginning of the game, you set a, the, a turn number. And then at the beginning of that turn, the fireworks go off and then all the zombies go that way. So you can, so there's some pre-planning. Um, essentially. Uh, I, I didn't want them to be too easy to kite because otherwise, like it wouldn't be fun if you could just activate them from just far enough away so that they can't bite you and then they come at you and then you run backwards and somebody else shoots them. So if they're too far away, instead of coming at the person that made noise, they go for the nearest zombie and then they group up. And then when there's more than three of them, they follow a different AI mechanic because it's oh, a horde. Interesting. And then they're more... Uh, aggressive isn't really the right word but they tend to they wander the table more and so there's a better chance that the three of them because whenever one of them hears you the whole horde gets to come gets to react so as you're shooting guys you shoot the front zombie and even if you succeed if you're loud enough and all of like one of the other ones hears you the whole group comes so part of it is picking off zombies before they can group up and part of it is keeping that large group on the other side of the building from you so that they have to come around or break through the windows and it takes them more turns to get to you so you can get away. Um, it's really about planning uh, and knowing your noise radius is radii and, uh, and planning order of action. So, you know, quiet guys, loud guys, louder guys, as the wheels fall off the wagon, you get louder and the zombies get more aggressive. I mean, that that does set you up for the tropes of, like, the sniper 
shooting groups to keep them smaller than the three so they don't cluster up or like the one guy is like i'll i'll draw them all I'll, I'll draw the horde away someone's mm-hmm. yeah which i was, wanted it's to... very walking dead he's like i'll sacrifice myself and run off the board right so. uh yeah i uh i really wanted to be able to organically generate some of the best scenes from the movies and tv shows that i like and they do it does happen sometimes where something uh just perfect comes around and you end up with one of those iconic scenes with the whole group coming down main street and everybody's running for the hills and then yeah it's i'm happy with the way it turned out i guess i could say <laughs> so when you well i think i normally ask people simulation simulation versus generality but based on your ai mechanic you're trying to achieve that cinematic outcome. And yeah, absolutely. honestly, when I yeah, asked this I... question with like historical war gaming, he's like, are you trying to capture the movies or real life? Well, until, until the zombies rise, we won't have a comparison right. point. Yeah. It's, it's hard to be real. Uh, one thing that I, I did, did do uh, for that. I thought was a nod towards reality rather than gaming is it's actually very easy to shoot a zombie at the ranges. We're talking in scale. Like, I grew up in a small town. Everybody has a gun. Everybody can hit a person at the kind of ranges we're talking about on a 30-inch tabletop. It's just kind of general skill. So the difficulty of the roll is how hard it is to get that headshot, which is what you need to kill it. So the idea is if you shoot and miss, you're actually hitting it. But, you know, you put an arrow in its chest and it wakes up. And now it knows there's food around and it's angry about it. Uh so like then we get mechanics where like a shotgun when you miss they take it full in the chest and they get pushed backwards so they stumble backwards because you missed but you don't actually like you hit them center mass and they're fine because it's a zombie but uh there's some consequences even for when you miss because Otherwise, the noise values get too loud and the economy of actions is too much on the zombie side. Okay. What what kind of model count were you thinking about? So Um, I I brought the like the Project Z like boxes. So it's like I'm thinking, how many boxes do I have to buy? uh, Honestly, you can play most of a campaign unless you get to be really high level and you're because uh, the way zombies work is they scale toward to how many levels of hero you have brought to the table. So if you send a big group out, there's more zombies in that area for balance reasons, obviously not for reality reasons. Um, So, but if you play the campaign and you never bring more than 12 ish levels, which is three to four models uh, to the table, then you never need more than 20 22 zombies uh if you are using tokens to identify when they're aggressive versus when they're passive uh see i have i i use unpainted zombies for when they're sleeping and then the painted ones they get color when they when they get aggressive so then they pop out on you see them on the tabletop a little easier um but yeah i think if you need more than 20-ish zombies. Essentially, I did all of my playtesting with one core box of first edition Zombicide. Okay. Uh, Now, you mentioned the heroes. So are we talking um, small elite groups or are we talking like mob 
groups of like the citizenry running out there? And it's is individual control or squad based skirmish. Uh, it's it's individual. Each character is built, uh, kind of like a a light RPG light. Like their their rules are very slender, but you build them all specifically. I I my the goal was you have a model that you think is cool. So you build the rules that fit the model, like a lot of people do. Um, or you have rules that you think are cool, and then you go out and find a model that fits. But you, yeah, you build everybody from scratch. So the, the kind of idea there is if you build them all, and they all have unique skills, um, and strengths and weaknesses, then when they die, you feel it. Uh, because instead of, oh, no, I lost another soldier with the same thing as everybody else it's no i lost bill he was my mechanic now i'm not going to be able to start the car so we got to run out of here instead of drive Mm. like so things escalate uh in a hurry one of the one of the inspirations is i play a lot of xcom xcom 2 uh, uh video game and the thing that game does really well is it does character customization. So everybody looks how you want them to look. And then when they die, despite the fact that they're easily replaceable, you still feel it like it, it's still a gut punch. Cause you're like, man, that was that cool guy in with the cigar and the <laughs> cowboy hat or whatever, you know, whatever makes them unique. So uh, that feeling I wanted to bring along because in zombie fiction, especially with a small group of survivors, which is what we're dealing with here, if somebody if somebody goes, like, there's two scenes where there's no music or there's sad music because, you know, it was one of five characters that you've come to know. Of course, two episodes later, they meet someone new with a similar set of skills, but, you know, that's games and fiction for you. Someone's got to be the mechanic, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Me. Amazing in uh, Walking Dead, how many doctors are out there oh, like, yeah. walking around like four years later? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, how much can you customize your force? So, you talked about it being like RPG light. What were you looking at for like um, the range of abilities? So, do you customize by like the standard um, like weapon skill, ballistic skill? How good are you stabbing? How good are you shooting? How essentially do you uh, get? Or equipment loadouts, is that the... Um, essentially, they, they walk hand in hand. So the way it works is you cannot use a class of weapon unless you are skilled in that class of weapon. Now, this is a not this is a, a game mechanic rather than a reality thing because anybody can pick up a baseball bat and smack somebody with it. But from a mechanic sca- standpoint, I needed skills to be... I don't want to say rare isn't the right word, but the goal is to motivate the player to gather a large group of people uh, to more and more people so you have more and more diversity of skills so that you can get more done Um, and on the tabletop that means well I've got this guy who can use a bow bows are silent they don't attack very often but you know it's very handy on the tabletop and then you know maybe you find a really good gun or something and you don't have a rifleman but so that gun, you know, you suddenly it's a trade good or somebody when they level up, they maybe they're looking to get into rifles. But so the idea is even the most powerful character in the game is only proficient in four skills. Um, and so uh, 
and and those include all of the weapon skills, which there are uh, three melee weapon skills and three ranged weapon skills. Um, and they all come into the stats, and it's strength, dex, uh, strength, dexterity, and um, intelligence. And then the fourth skill, uh, the fourth stat is uh, cooperation. So essentially, most of the game takes place in between turns, uh, in between tabletop. So you can customize your force a lot, I guess, to answer your question <laughs> from an hour ago. Uh, obviously, I can talk about this all day. The people in my inner circle are sick of hearing about it. Uh, but it's a game I like. And just like the previous games I like that I didn't write, I will talk about it all day. But yeah, so you can customize your force a lot. And the game actually really encourages you to diversify uh, and to bring more people in. Okay. Uh, well, how long do you imagine? Um, a, how long would it take to run a single game of this? Like, well, when you designed it, like, okay, we sit down, we play this. How long were you thinking a game would run? Uh, if you're playing alone and you're familiar with the rules and your table is already set up, you can get through a game in half an hour, 45 minutes tops. Okay. Uh, the game, the tabletop portion of the game plays really fast. I wanted it so that if you set up a table, you could play through a game, do the management portion, and then move the buildings around and play through another tabletop game, and it doesn't take all day. Um, so I moved all of the math to the management portion so that the tabletop portion goes as fast as possible. Um, it does mean that there's a lot of vagaries. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, near things like, uh, as opposed to reflecting reality. But it does also mean that if I go to a con, I can teach people the basic rules in 20 minutes and then they can get through a whole game in another 40. And that's the hour long block in a convention. Uh, so the tabletop portion goes very, very quickly. So it's basically how long do you want to spend setting up the table? Well, what, what kind of play area are you talking about? Like what did I'm most Be games are now going to 36 by 36 because of the way I use random distribution. It's a 30 inch by 30 inch. Okay. Uh, so one of the things you do is to randomly place zombies. You roll coordinates. So you roll a D10 times three, and that's your X axis. And then another D10 times three is your Y axis. And they'll meet and you place something there. So that's how I do random placement. So there's a zombie or a resource or whatever, and you place them all with this coordinate grid. Though there is a faster alternate option in there where you roll a, basically a scatter die and place it that many inches, a certain number of inches from the center. And that goes a lot faster, but the distribution is less uh, random. They tend to group up towards the middle uh, in a circle if you do that. Um, in like in a donut around the center of the table. But uh, <laughs> you, yeah, just because of the a, way. You basically created a probability distribution. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I when you I break it apart, to... it makes a sine wave. Then we can take the yeah. Well, off that, yeah. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, if you're unlucky, then you the dice come up and they all group up in the same quadrant, <laughs> and uh, you got to really play around it. But 
No, yeah. So basically, I wanted it to be random, and it was the only truly random way to distribute zombies I could come up with. Um, okay. Without without your uh, dilution fridge and your quantum qubit. Yeah, there. exactly. Like, yeah, well, I don't want to have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I yeah, I didn't want to uh, develop an algorithm to do a quasi-random number either. So. <laughs> I got I got pretty close. Mostly it's important because as the zombies get closer to each other, it has a multiplicative effect on the difficulty of the game. So if they're not randomly distributed, then you don't get the variety from game to game as to whether or not they're grouping up in hordes by turn three or maybe it's turn five this game or whatever. Uh, so that that keeps the difficulty curve interesting from game to game because there are some games where you get your guys on the tabletop and you basically want to turn around and leave but you already set up the game so this is going to be a risky one you know it's <laughs> that sort of uh uh idea so how that's a good point inject how do you have inject fog of war or surprise is it based upon like how you draw scenarios and then how you distribute the zombies around the scenarios Essentially, um, the most surprise that you get, uh, because you have to be able to pre-measure, because the way the noise system works, if you don't allow pre-measuring, that's like playing on super hard expert mode. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous because you can't know who's going to wake up and chase you until after the action is over. I played it like that a little bit. Wow, that's hard. Unless you're really good at estimating. Anyway, uh, the the element of surprise comes... At the end of every turn, uh, you spawn a new zombie into onto the tabletop using that random distribution rule. So sometimes, you know, from a storytelling perspective, maybe it's somebody you thought for sure was dead. Nope, that's actually a zombie now. Or maybe they crawled out from under a car or they were in a closet or whatever. So you randomly place a zombie at the end of every turn. And if that zombie is randomly placed close enough to a hero or to uh, a zombie that's already awake, an aggressive zombie on the tabletop, then instead of coming in asleep, they come in aggressive. And so it can easily, very quickly add to a horde can grow if the, the randomness drops it close enough, or it can be right around the corner from where you were and you didn't see it coming because it wasn't there, but because you know, it was dead or it was quiet or whatever. Uh, that's how, that's the only real element of surprise you've got there. Now, is there a campaign feature to the game? Are, so you talked about the math off the tabletop. So Yeah, so essentially uh, the main game feature is actually base building and resource management. The tabletop game is just so you can go out and get more stuff. Uh, okay. food, hardware, all stuff is divided into three things, food, hardware, and fuel. So you need food to feed your survivors. You need hardware to build base features and new weapons. And you need fuel to run generators and cars and to make Molotov cocktails. So you go out and essentially you bring everything home and then you dig through it. And so you roll randomly to see how much of your stuff that you brought home was each type of material because like you didn't stop and really dig through everything out when you were out in the world 
you just grab stuff that looked useful. You got home. Oh, it turns out that was a ham sandwich. Good for us. Um, it's there's, like I there, said, there's vagaries. There's no art run art to feed the soul of your survivors out there. No heading over to like Madison and like not, uh, hit up the museums. And like... Not yet. Not yet. Though there is a uh, cosmic horror uh, origin expansion coming in the future that will require some sort of diversion uh, after you are done fighting tentacle zombies. <laughs> um, that is not out yet. Don't look for that. Um, but it is coming. It is in the, in the, in the works. Uh, but yeah, uh, so essentially the tabletop part of the game really intricately affects the off the table part of the game, wherein you are claim you like you claim a base, you build up your base, you have a certain amount of room for buildings like a workshop or a medical clinic or uh, more bunks because you got to have places for everybody to sleep uh, utilities so you can get running water and uh, electricity. Because if you have running water, the med bay works better, and so does the kitchen. If you have electricity, the workshop works way better. Uh, and so you have to decide whether you're going to build build up and make your base work better for the future, or you can also spend the same amount of things building better weapons for your away team. So, like, do I use this hardware to plant a garden? Or do I use this? Do I bend my plowshares back into swords? Uh, you know, use those materials to build better weapons so that I can succeed better in the tabletop portion of the game. Well, then, uh, so, me, then what's the long term balancing? Because from what you described there, I imagine that the characters you have in your force, like whether you decide to roll out with four of them or 10 of them, um, with the RPG light, you can actually eventually over time make them stronger and stronger so is there a, a point system to balance out like how many zombies you randomly like you know if you bring three guys out they're body armored up and like <laughs> right essentially uh each survivor has a tier they're tiered one through four okay uh, one is guy off the street who was living in a dumpster until you found him he's not good at much he's only got one hit point he's only got one skill He's only got one stat at one. Everything else is zeros. This guy doesn't know anything. You got to keep him alive long enough to gain enough experience so that he can get better stats. Um, and essentially the way the balance works is the number of tier points that you bring to the table affects the number of zombies that spawn in at the beginning. So your starting zombies are affected by the number of tier points you bring to the table. Um, so in a game where you're bringing 10 to 12 tier points to the table, which is three, two to three or four guys, depending on how leveled up they are. Um, then you'll spawn in usually like in the easy missions, it's 1.5 times the number. So you bring 12 points to the table. You're looking at 18 starting zombies. Uh, and the way that ran they randomly distribute, maybe you'll get lucky and they'll, I'll be far away from what you want. Uh, but usually because you distribute the resources using the same rolling methods as you distribute the zombies, they tend to land uh, in similar places uh, just because of large numbers. Um, so the, the long-term balancing comes from the more, the higher tier you are. Um, okay. The more dudes you have, the more food you need. 
that oh, food okay. needs to be produced either by a guy who you have to leave at home to produce food or by going out to find food, in which case you have the chance of losing people. So if you and if you can't feed everyone, then they come into the next game with lower stats. So it's very easy to level up a guy to the point where he only misses zombies on a one. Like he can kill anything he points at, but that's if he's fully fed and he got a good night's sleep. So if he didn't eat, his stat is brought down. Suddenly he's missing on fours. Uh, and if he didn't sleep, then one guy goes home because he's, he's exhausted. So you don't get to bring your whole squad. If you didn't have enough beds, one guy has to do nothing that turn. So the more people you get, the more base you need uh, in order to be able to field them all successfully. And then the more base you have, like as you build, you make more noise. And then at the end of every campaign turn, which is just before you put dudes on the tabletop, there's a role that takes into account how many people you've got and how much noise you're making. And then perhaps the horde descends on your base and you have to do a base defense mission, which are the hardest missions in the book. If you ask me. Okay. But doesn't in the essence, your rule book with, with that system in mind, you're actually constructing a uh, proto feudalistic classic structure of, <laughs> of uh, the peasants, workers in the military there. It's, it's Cre creating a hierarchy that will crush the uh, peasant. I, I prefer to think of it as uh, more of a communal. Everyone is doing their part, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely there are dudes who stay home and don't get any experience points and don't ever get any better at shooting. But they keep your cars running or they build you better guns. And so, yeah, their life is boring, but eh, zombie apocalypse. I hope so they weren't your favorite mini. <laughs> Um, I'm interested in the idea of the base, though, with a 30-inch by 30-inch table. You wouldn't actually capture the whole base in there, like if you're uh, doing base defense. Or so are we like gaming like uh, essentially? Let's get uh, Walking Dead Alexandria, where the one part of the wall fell, and like they all start rushing in that one. Part. Essentially, uh, the only way to actually survive that base defense mission for me, and like I said, I'm bad at the game. I'm bad at all games. But the only way I survive is by setting up the table way to my advantage. <laughs> You know, chain link fences so that I can shoot through them, but the zombies can't come back. You know, like just everybody's on a rooftop, whatever. Uh, but the idea is each base has a has a sort of a central building. So there's also four tiers of bases. So you start in this tiny little house and that can totally be totally completely encased on the tabletop because it's just a house and a garage and a front yard. And that's all the more room you have. And then as the community grows, you have to go take larger bases and rebuild everything that you had that you need. But you've got more room now so you can build better and get more people. And then as you fill up, maybe you outgrow that base. You got to go find an even bigger one. Uh, and so that keeps the campaign aspect, the base building aspect. Uh, it keeps you from hitting peak base and just not having to do anything at base. Uh, it pushes that way back into the end game. Um, and that's basically, well, congratulations, you rebuilt civilization. Everybody's fed, everybody's got a bed. Okay, well, you better start teaching your children. 
Um, and obviously that's the end of the game. You don't play that part because that's civilization. Um, <laughs> I just man, you have a meeting of the uh, local water resource board, right? Exactly. <laughs> order. Like, well, well, we've tapped out the local water tower and we're moving into the, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, so, um, the base building aspect is really what the game has that not a lot of other games bring to the table. Uh, Ivan does it. Um, the five parsecs, five leagues, five the the five X games. Uh, Ivan Sorensen, um, I think he publishes through Modifius. Anyway, he brings some portion of that middle game. He uses a lot of randomness, and it tells great stories. Um, and I really I like those games a lot. But I wanted to more of a decision making part. Like you have to make the tough calls. It's not a random you know there's less randomness and more management i guess well now where are you looking at taking this game forward so like i went to your website and i saw like you have your errata section so print that off if you bought this game but you also are talking about other future expansions and you mentioned the uh cosmic one why don't you go through like what what's your design plan going out um so essentially in the beginning uh this i had a, a big plan for one book and then as i got closer and closer to one book it the the book grew and my timeline extended and so i was going to be 70 before i finished this thing so i cut a bunch of stuff out and am moving it to expansion so the idea was uh three different origins for the zombies so you got your classic virus which has become the common one that the story that we tell now in fiction uh and one thing that i always bemoaned in modern zombie fiction was the mystery so like where's necromancy you know what i mean like where's the 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 necronomicon where's evil dead in this so there's three different zombie origins uh that will be explored in future texts and it's the virus which actually comes with additional rules versus what's in the main book uh because you have to worry about infection and so there's more than one way to die instead of just getting losing all your health points you also gain infection points, which persist between games. And then you have to treat that uh, with uh, origin specific base buildings and items. And then the same is true for the cosmic horror expansion, which is like, I remember Stephen King wrote a short story that he said was uh, took place in the same universe as Night of the Living Dead where he said that the that the zombie apocalypse was brought on by like a cosmic radiation from the asteroid wormwood and i thought that's really cool i should take that and put cthulhu in it so the asteroid comes uh, through and drops a bunch of bits and the bits have you know cosmic horrors from beyond the realm of tentacle monsters essentially you know lovecraftian uh i'm afraid of fisherman kind of situation uh so then you get more unique monsters the virus is caused by or it's not a virus the zombies are caused by this sort of 
cosmic taint. Um, and then there's that comes with rules for madness and going nuts and coming back from it and turning into a bad creature. And then the third one is magic where like casually I call it the Castlevania end of the world uh, where it's essentially not Dracula, some other vampire Lord or whatever a necromancer from ages long forgotten comes in with magic. And so it's a, it's a magic, the, the magic universe and the, and the reality have collided and one reaction that humans can have to magical energy is to turn into a zombie. Uh, and then, so the survivors are the people who don't react that way. And so then in that, if you use that origin, then you get uh, magic spells and um, you have to worry about skeletons, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's other undead in the magical realm. So it gives you essentially three different games in the game depending on how you want the apocalypse to go. Uh, and that was originally my idea was to have all three of those in the core book, but like any story, it grew in the telling and they just did not fit anymore. So they will be released in future. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I like that because normally when you look at like Hollywood's treatment of zombie movies, anything pre 1945 is magic. Um, anything 45 to um, like George Romero's and up till the 90s was radiation based mm -hmm. because so zombie movies always reflect whatever scares the population the most so magic radiation and then once Ebola first hit the right. viruses like we don't yep. whatever that doesn't understand becomes the cause and of course Star Trek with the Borg just yep just went to high technology yeah. exactly yeah. so no i like uh, yeah and whatever way you want to approach it like, mm -hmm. honestly the magic makes just as much sense as a virus being able to master perpetual motion and create <laughs> zombies that have no digestive system absolutely they're all equally preposterous but that's why we're here uh if we wanted to play real life we would go to work <laughs> that's the sims game it's like what? yeah exactly <laughs> i have a job I, I I... yeah exactly um but yeah so uh that is that is upcoming um and there's been a, a, some hiccups nothing is for sure yet but i have been approached by a couple of game companies uh for the future of this game and so while nothing is set in stone and they're companies you've heard of nothing is set in stone or anything. Uh, so it's not like an announcement, but I've, I'm starting to hold off on some of the more, some of the expansions until I figure out what's going on uh, with my newfound professional life, I guess. Well, there, are, I, I completely understand because there are some game companies that work like um, beverage companies of where they just, instead of internally developing, they just look for the next, Hotness yep. to come around and uh, create a liquidity event and absorb. Yeah, and suddenly I've got a microbrew that uh, <laughs> people want to drink. I guess. I, I mean, I I've played so many hours of this game, but I still play from time to time just for fun, even when I'm not play testing. So I guess I like it. I hope other people do. <laughs> if anybody oh. plays as many games as I do, they'll be sick of it. So how 
do you go about getting this game? Um, where, what's the distribution for this? Right now, I am available uh, digitally and print-on-demand at Drive Through RPG and War Games Vault, uh, County Road Z. And I've finally found enough of an audience where if you Google County Road Z, the first thing that comes up is my game. The second thing is real estate listing. But I am there right at the top. So if you Google County Road Z, you will find my drive through RPG page. Um, and I uh, I run promotions all the time. You'll find that the price will sometimes fluctuate. Uh, I know I signed up for a Halloween thing that's coming up for drive through RPG is doing a Halloween promotion. So, you know, if you're on the fence, wait, and you'll probably see a, a Halloween sale <laughs> eventually. Um, but I kept the PDF. The PDF is $4. Uh, I, I did not want price to be a barrier to entry, but I also did not want to go back to the factory and, and work for a living. So I, I'm still working for a living, but I'm closer and closer every day to making this my my profession. So uh, there will be more games in future. Well, I know. So it's four dollars for just the PDF. And then there's the book only option, which I believe is. Well, why would you buy? Because for 15 bucks, yeah. you the book and the PDF. They, like... they wouldn't let me just put book and PDF as the only option. So the option to buy the book for 15 is there. And then underneath it is the option to buy the book with the PDF also for 15. And then the hardcover is 25. And now you also maintain, I'm on the Facebook page. So you have a, you have your company's um, Facebook page, but then you also have the fan-driven uh, County Road Z Facebook page. Any other yes. socials that you're on? Um, there is a Discord. I don't use Discord. I'm not super familiar with it, so it's not right, right a very with, active right with place. It. My my wife and daughter, they are on Discord. <laughs> and all these other game people say, I'm on Discord. You know what? I'm on too many of these things. It's yeah. just, I, I have to draw the line somewhere. And people really like Discord, but I'm 40 now. I can start saying, I'm not going to learn a new thing. grumble grumble i tell my Uh, boss that all the time i'm not gonna learn that (laughs) right plus my facebook group and i know a lot of people are jumping off of facebook for any number of billions of very valid reasons but the county road z facebook group has been one of the best fan groups i've ever been a part of they are fantastic they're very active they answer questions and like i've got a couple of guys that most of my play testing are still in the fan group uh, and they answer questions and they're playing games and it is a very cool place to be uh, digitally. So I encourage everyone to go to the Facebook County Road Z official fan page. Uh, there's also some stuff in the files there that you can't get elsewhere. Uh, there's a preview of the virus rules, for instance, um, and some other stuff uh, that is is fantastic. So that is the main hub of where you learn about me uh, personally. Okay, and the games and whatnot i i think all social media should merely be directed to hobbies or tutorials on plumbing and landscaping (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah no i everything else should just be kicked off (laughs) yeah everybody scrolls through their social media and they see all this stuff that they're mad about well i have pared mine down so that if it's not a miniature or like a video game for sale then i don't see it and that is the way it works. Like I, that's all I want to see. I want to see what's the new cool mini who's painting it and how good are they? And then, uh, 
okay, well, maybe I need a PlayStation 5 someday, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep my eyes on used ones. <laughs> That's all I need. Uh, well, so we should know that your company's not called County Road Z. It's called Earthbound oh, yes. Games, which Earthbound assumes Games. that there will be follow-on projects. So what's yes. your plan going forward? You'll have a whole portfolio of games? Um, I have at least two games in me. And I can probably, like right now, I've got two games in me and I probably a third. And I'm assuming that more will come. Uh, I've been cutting apart Dungeons and Dragons and rebuilding it to suit my needs for individual campaigns since the beginning of third edition. Uh, and so I have a lot of stuff floating around. And I've got 20 solid years of a pretty boring job, several pretty boring jobs and all i ever did was think about gaming uh and honestly county road z is great for that because you play the tabletop part on the weekend and then you go to work for a week and you think how am i going to use that hardware which thing am i which base upgrade am i going to build which mission do i do next and then you come back on the weekend with all your plans and you can play another game um but yeah i i'd say uh i will be coming out with games for the foreseeable future the very next one uh after County Road Z, which there's still a lot of expansions content I want to do for County Road Z. Uh, but I'm looking at a very like a one page rules kind of situation where it would be one or two pages that simulates arcade beat em ups like Streets of Rage or Golden Axe. Uh, that is my current project, but that'll be a little thing. It'll be free. It'll have my Patreon at the bottom, uh, Earthbound Games on Patreon. If you want to throw me a dollar a month, I'll. Uh, it's also not a very active place. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, well, you know, I, I have some patrons, but like uh, the the development phase where I'm I'm showing previews of cool stuff is kind of over for a while because I need a playable something before I start previewing anything. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even put the Patreon up until my playtests were already underway. Uh, I wanted to have something before I started talking about it. Um. But yeah, earthboundtabletop.com is where you find uh, just the general website. That's where the FAQ and errata are. If you have the most recent printing of the book, which if you open the inside cover and it'll say one point, version 1.25 underneath good. underneath the title, uh, it'll, it says County Road Z. Okay. And then on the right, it says version 1.25. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you yeah. have that one, there's only one errata. It's just very, very, very important. Uh so make sure you look at the the rules if you have an older version of the game then there's a ton there's more uh but that version only has one thing wrong with it that i could find easily and it is very important it's how you describe what constitutes a horde and it's a core mechanic and it got left okay. out in favor of a piece of art and it <laughs> absolutely broke my heart but i did not go to another printing of the physical copy it's fixed in the pdf okay uh, so um so yeah, but uh, like I said, mostly Facebook, Earthbound Games, and uh, and the County Road Z fan group. They are super cool. Everybody who plays this game has been so nice. Well, <laughs> it's been a real you, joy. You you are on Patreon and you're going through Drive Through RPG and War Games Vault. Why not Kickstarter? I always ask these people a question because I'm always interested in what's the variables that either drives you towards Kickstarter so, or pushes you away. I think Kickstarter is a great, amazing idea. 
But when I saw that they were kickstarting Marvel Zombicide, <laughs> I thought, okay, pre-ordering. that is that is <laughs> the yeah, exactly. That is the single most uh, valuable property on the market, Marvel. That is one of the top 15 selling board games of the last half decade, Zombicide. And you need to kickstart it to make sure you can have funding. I think you probably could have secured a loan, sir. Anyway, that's just my personal crustiness gripe. So I may never go to Kickstarter if I don't have to. Um, I think a lot of cool stuff has come up through Kickstarter and there's no reason not to unless you're just a bitter, crusty old man like me. Uh, and I'm not going to say never because, you know, the winding road, you, you never know where you're going to end up. But I just think Kickstarter has become... Uh, such a crutch for big, big companies to 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 make a bunch of bank and then roll out a product later. I didn't like I said, I didn't even want to start my Patreon until I had a playable play test that was mostly like polished already. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure someday there will be pre-orders, but there'll be pre-orders. The, the book will be done before you pay for it. Um, that's just my stupid personal crusty two cents but you know everybody's got their uh everybody's got their thing i guess well i know since you went uh because with print on demand there's no logistics issues about warehousing so what would the kickstarter be for before and the best excuse i heard was to pay the artist like the rules are done but the art is expensive and talented artists are expensive so that's actually the best justification i've heard for why a rule book on its own would ever go through kickstarter so okay i can accept yeah Um, i sold two warhammer armies to pay for my art (laughs) and that's it that's just where i was so uh that that was my kickstarter was somebody ended up with my tau and my uh, black templars so i hope you're rolling tons of crits out there whoever so you, you are you basically stole the art is what you're telling yeah me. <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah no it's uh it was a transition period for me so luckily uh i found a great well a, a good artist for reasonable prices fiverr uh, well, I, I have cause... to say the art the art does remind me of some of the stuff from like um the old tsr uh box sets and some of the there, uh, like first there is a stuff. flavor of of second yeah. edition ad and d to some of the some of the art and i i got a kick out of that myself yeah i yeah i recognize this style when i was a kid go through like mm-hmm. comic shops and it's like yeah i've seen that before that's cool yeah <laughs> no i was very happy with how uh, reminiscent it was of my early days <laughs> yeah well very excited about the game and i'll gonna give it a try here and honestly for 15 bucks like i said i've i've spent more on parking tickets and traffic tickets so mm-hmm. yeah no that was a very light night of drinking when i was 21 in like the early 2000s uh or you know nowadays it's like a pack of cigarettes uh if you buy them at the bar i guess i don't know i i don't smoke and i don't drink anymore so i have no idea what things cost out in the party world but it's a very cheap party for a 150 page book or whatever um so if i play it once even if i get it wrong it'll be just like cheaper than a night right? movies right absolutely and the best part about playing alone is there's no such thing as getting it wrong 
Like you can later go, oh, I did that wrong, but you know your opponent's not going to bitch. Like it's like playing solitaire when eventually at some point you just turn it over and say, where is yep, that you're for? Just, you're just peeking three cards down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I did uh, to to just one more. I love talking, obviously. Uh, one thing about the game is I put a ton of optional rules in the back of the book. So if you find the game too easy, it's really easy to make it harder. Uh, because like I said, I'm not good at games. So I wanted all skill levels to be able to have fun. So if you find the game too easy, turn to the back of the book and I suggest Escalation and Drawn by Gunfire. They are the two uh, uh, most punishing of the of the special rules if you find that you're, <laughs> you're breezing through it. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I wanted there to be options. There are options. Excellent. Well, I look forward to if you're acquired, if your game's <laughs> stolen from you and turned into something else, and to your future games. Well, Jordan, we've hit our hour. And uh, I'd like to thank you for being on the podcast and good luck with the rest of the game. Well, thank you so much for having me. If you don't stop me at some point, I'll go another hour. So it's a good time to call it quits. (laughs) (laughs) And for everyone out there, go ahead, check out DriveThruRPG or go on to Wargames Vault and look for County Road Z. Um, If you already have a zombie collection or zombie games, why not throw one more on there? It can't hurt. Absolutely. (laughs) So for everyone out there, thanks for joining us. Thank you. 